When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Coaching Matters Podcast, brought to you by Fundraising University and Brian Kane Peak Performance. Coaching Matters is a nonprofit foundation whose primary purpose is to help coaches, athletes, and activities directors succeed in their programs, schools, and communities. Fundraising University works to help you raise the most amount of money in the least amount of time with the least amount of interference to support coaches and activities directors in enhancing the student experience and life skill development that is a critical component of our educational systems. Brian Kane, one of the world's leading mental performance coaches, works to educate, empower, and energize you to be your best through his 10 pillars of mental performance mastery systems. Together, each week, we bring you interviews, question and answer sessions, and group coaching around mastering mental performance, creating elite culture, and developing the leadership skills you need to succeed. And now, this week's Coaching Matters podcast. Hey, how you doing? Brian Kane, host of the Coaching Matters group coaching program and podcast, and super excited this evening to be talking about pillar number six, meditation and mental imagery. But first, I want to welcome everyone to the Coaching Matters Group Coaching Podcast sponsored by Fundraising University. And we'd like to take time to say thank you to any of our current Fundraising University coaches and administrators joining us on the call this evening. And Fundraising University is the top high school fundraising company in the United States, helping raise over $150 million for programs since its inception in 2009. So special thanks to Mike Bahoon and Fundraising University for allowing me to join you with Coaching Matters. This evening, we're going to talk about Pillar 6, Meditation and Mental Imagery. Everything happens twice, first in your mind than in reality. You see, whether we're aware of it or not, the mental images that our athletes create and they carry around both the positive and negative have a direct impact on their physical and mental performance. So as a coach, when you begin to coach the skill set of mental imagery, maybe you call it visualization, maybe you call it mental rehearsal, maybe you call it sports hypnosis, I call them all the same. We're going to call it mental imagery this evening. As you begin to develop and coach that skill set, you're going to notice that your athletes are better able to, one, stay calm under pressure, two, focus on the present moment task, and three, compete with more confidence rather than getting caught up in the past or caught up in the future. You see, you're also going to increase their chances for winning performance by giving your athletes one of the best tools that they can use to increase confidence through what we call an advanced form of preparation. Look, and we know from Russell Wilson, quarterback with the Seahawks, that separation is in preparation. And the mental imagery skill set is one that probably none of your coaching competition is using because they don't have a simple process. So tonight, what I want to give you, and I've never done this before in a one-hour webinar uh, format, so I'm super excited about it, is I want to give you everything that I do when it comes to meditation and mental imagery, working with athletes, 
And I want to share with you the exact script that I use so that you can use that script with your athletes and you can start helping them get the results that they've been looking for. So to begin, the first thing I want to do is take you through an example of an exercise that I think demonstrates the power of mental imagery. So if everybody would go ahead and stand up with me, please. And if you're driving, don't do this because I want you driving, not standing up. But as you stand up, here's what I want you to do. I want you to put your feet and here's a great, this is an exercise you can do. That's a great one with athletes when you're working with them coaches. So as you stand here, your feet are flat on the ground, your shoulders are back, you're standing tall. Okay. Feet are on the ground, shoulder width apart. Now your feet are not going to move as we do this. But what I want you to do is I want you to take your right arm and put your right arm out in front of you. And now I want you to spin as far as you can and put that right arm on a spot behind you. So spin as far as you can, as far as you can, put that right arm on a spot, put that arm on a spot, take note of that spot and come back around. Come back around. And now your feet staying flat on the ground this time, your hands are down. And I want you to close your eyes, inhale, exhale. One more time, inhale, exhale. This time in your mind's eye, okay? In the movie theater of your mind with your eyes closed, I want you to imagine spinning yourself around and getting to that same spot, this time going further. Spinning around and going to that same spot, this time going about two feet further. This time spinning around like your Gumby wrapped all the way around yourself 365 degrees. Seeing that in your mind. And now come back, open your eyes, Raise your arm again, and this time make the same move going as far as you can. And see if you're able to beat that spot. Now raise a hand if you were able to beat that spot. Okay, and pretty much everyone's able to do that. So go ahead and take a seat. Let's explain why, okay? Now, again, I know we have some you know, people who might be here for the first time, they might be thinking, Kaner, that's crazy. Is that, is that, is that wizardry? Is that magic? No, that's, that's a really quick... Uh, introduction into why mental imagery works. Okay. Here's why mental imagery works. Mental imagery, again, which we've, you've heard called visualization, mental rehearsal, sports hypnosis, mental imagery works because your brain cannot decipher between something you physically do and something that you vividly imagine. Let me, let me repeat that. The brain or not to get too scientific with you, but what we call psychoneuromuscular pathways interprets the stimulus that you put in through mental imagery, vivid imagine, as if it's real. So your body responds. It's like if you've ever been laying there, let's say you're laying and you're having a dream about you, about you throwing a pitch if you were a pitcher, or maybe running if you're training for a marathon. And have any of you by a show of hands, as you're sitting there and you're having a dream about you running or throwing, next thing you know, like you're kicking in bed or your arm moves in bed. That's the same thing, right? It's why it happens. So you, we, we have what we have, what's called a physiological response, a body response to a psychological stimulus, body response to a psychological stimulus, physiological response to a psychological stimulus. So the more we think about our activity, in clear, rich, vivid game scenario, the better, more prepared we're going to feel when we go into that competition. And one of, one of my, um, remember my first UFC fight I was ever at, UFC 74, co-main event was George St. Pierre versus Josh Koscheck. Main event was Randy Couture against Gabriel Gonzaga. 
And I remember after the fight, we were going ready to go do the media and I happened to walk into the bathroom and Randy Couture is walking out. And I'm like, this is my only opportunity maybe ever to engage Randy Couture. So you, you strike when the iron top, I said, Randy, congrats on the win tonight, man. Hey, I know you were big into mental imagery and visualization. I heard you talk on some podcasts and videos on YouTube. What did you, how did you use that? He said, well, you know, Randy Couture was 43 years old in his 40s and he's UFC world champion. So he's not able to hang with a lot of those younger guys in the gym, right? He can't train as long, doesn't need to, body breaks down. He says, so when I would get done with practice, I would lay down on the mat and I would go back through the practice. He said, I'd rewind through practice and I would replay everything that happened that day in training. But I would see myself executing, getting the takedown. I would see, feel, and hear. This is where with mental imagery, we want to use all the senses. He'd say, I would see, feel, and hear myself landing the combinations I wanted to land, getting my opponent down, getting, you know, getting a certain position in mixed martial arts, which would be getting the mount or getting side control. So he would see, feel, and hear. And he would replay practice. Now, this is one of the best exercises that you can do. And as a brand new golfer, somebody who picked it up in the last two years, what I love about golf is it becomes a laboratory for me to practice all the things that I'm doing with my athletes. So every night when my head hits the pillow, I will go back and I will replay my round of golf. And the first time I go through the course, I'll try to play all the shots that I hit. The second time I go through, I replay only the good shots I hit. So I'll try to do that. And then typically I fall asleep. And I think that's one of the best things you can do with your athletes is at the end of the day, when their head hits the pillow, have them rewind the day and replay their successes. I remember George Horton, head baseball coach at Cal State Fullerton, when I was there as a grad assistant, 2002 and three, he would say to the team at the end of every day of practice, he would say, remember tonight, when your head hits the pillow, I want you to make sure that you see yourself hitting 10 doubles for pitchers. I want you to make sure you're seeing yourself strike out 10 guys. If you read the book, Hockey Tough by Saul Miller, when I started to work with NHL players, I went, I didn't know much about hockey. I went to go uh, learn as much as I could. I read the book, Hockey Tough. And he would say that, I think it was Paul Correa, who uh, played at the University of Maine, played for the Anaheim Ducks. He would score 50 goals a night before he would go to bed. So what did I start to do? I would sit down with a hockey goalie and I knew nothing about hockey. And I would say, give me 50 shots, 50, 5-0, or give me 25 shots that you would see in a game. And it's easy for them to write down, right? Easy for them to write those down. They hand them to me. I put them into a mental imagery script. Like I'm going to show you to do tonight. When I started working in golf and didn't understand the difference between a three iron and a nine iron, I would say golfers, give me 25 shots that you have to hit. And then I would read those shots and they would visualize those shots. When I work with football. Okay. If I'm going in, let's say to work with, with Yale university football, we're getting ready to play Harvard on Saturday. It's Friday night in the hotel. I will have in one room, the offensive team, the other room, the defensive players, and I'll go in and I will talk them through to a certain point. And then the offensive coordinator, or the defensive coordinator comes in and starts talking them through specifics of the game. When I worked with Midland, Midland Lee high school football, it was like a scene out of Friday night lights, their coach, James Morton, he would take the iPhone. And if you all would do this, he would take his iPhone and open up the voice memos app. He would open up voice memos. And he would, he would every day do like a three to five minute visualization of what they were going to see. So if they're playing Permian on Friday night, he'd say, all right, we're playing Permian on Friday night. And it helped him as he's watching film of the team, they're coming out in this offense. If they're running this, you know, wing T with, with trips, right. We come out in this defense. So as he's doing the film breakdown, he's speaking into visualization, what he would, what his players would see on the field. He'd send them the audio. They'd listen to it every night. So it helped him 
speak about what he was going to see. And his players would listen to it multiple times during the day. He said it made their film study go through the roof and the guy's retention, because not only were they watching film when they were with him at the school, they were watching film in their mind afterwards. I'm working with the University of Mississippi baseball team. We're getting ready to play Florida, who's the number one team in the country. I'm in the room as a mental performance coach, watching their hitting coach at the time, um, Cliff Godwin, break down the pitchers from Florida. So this guy's going to do this. He's going to throw like this sliders here. You know, he's got this type of movement. And as we're watching the pitches, he said, Canner, anything you want to add? I said, coach, if I may, can we rewind that last pitch? Guy throws a nasty breaking ball. I said, now everybody in the room, all the hitters in the room, close your eyes, see that breaking ball, but see, feel, and hear, build in the senses. Thank you, Randy Couture. See, feel, and hear, bam, yourself, you know, with bad intentions, hitting that ball in a gap. I'd say, throw me, show me that change up again that he throws. Throw the change up, throw it again, throw the change up. Guys, close your eyes in the room, see, feel, and hear. And some guys were sitting there like this. Some guys grabbed their thumb and they start doing this. Some guys, you actually see them start moving in the chair and they're going through and they're visualizing it. Okay. Now, let me show you another example you can use with your team. And I actually picked this up from Randy Couture called the lemon experiment. And the lemon experiment is this. Okay. Everybody, again, if you're driving, don't do this. But if you're sitting with me, go ahead and sit up straight in your chair with your feet flat on the floor. And go ahead now and just gently close your eyes. And as you close your eyes, just focus on your breathing. And we're going to teach you a simple meditation technique where you inhale for a count of six, hold for two, and then exhale for eight. So inhale for six, hold for two, exhale for eight. Inhale for six. Hold for two, exhale for eight. Inhale for six. Hold for two, exhale for eight. And now what I want you to do is I want you to imagine that you're in your kitchen at your house. Again, if you're driving, not doing this. But if you're sitting, I want you to imagine you're in the kitchen at your house and you go to your refrigerator. So see the color of the refrigerator. Is it stainless? Is it black? And as you open up that refrigerator door, feel how heavy it is because you're used to opening it. As you open that refrigerator door and you feel that door and then you feel the cold air come out of the refrigerator and you look on the shelf and there's a bright yellow lemon. You grab that lemon, you put it down on the counter, and now you open up the knife drawer and you hear all the utensils jingle in there. And you grab a knife, sharp knife. And you take out a cutting board and you hear what that cutting board sounds like when you put it down on the counter and you put the lemon on the cutting board. What color is the coloring board, the cutting board? What color is the lemon? What does your knife look like? And then you grab that lemon. And as you look down, you cut that lemon in half and you see the kind of juice come squirting out of the lemon. and you see the pulp and the body of that lemon on the inside. And then you put that lemon face down and you cut that half into two equal wedges. And then you grab one of those wedges, you bring it up to your mouth and you take a nice big bite out of that lemon and you suck on that lemon, just like you would if it was an orange slice and you suck on that lemon and you put that lemon down, you grab another one, you pull it up, you take an even bigger bite, you bite right down to the rind, you suck on that lemon, you suck in all the juice and then you put that lemon back down. Now go ahead and open up your eyes and come back to me. Question. How many of you got a little bit of like a pucker sensation as you were doing that, right? Now, if you did, 
if you got a little pucker sensation with that, there was no lemon. Why is your body responding to what there was not there? It's because the brain does not do a great job of telling the difference between what's vividly imagined and what's physically experienced. So the lemon experiment, the spin me around experiment. And if you ever get the chance, um, I've, I've done this before where we take athletes and I happened to be at the Olympic training center. And we took an athlete who was a downhill skier and they would put, I don't exactly know the, the electrodes that they would put on their, on their body to record like, like muscle activity, right? Like electro electroactivity in the muscles, right? So basically the brain sending an impulse into the, into the, into the body. And when they would visualize themselves skiing downhill into the, on their legs, their muscle muscles would, would react in a way that was similar to how they were going down the hill. Now, not, not to the extent, but their muscles were still firing that way. So what did that tell us about mental imagery for athletes who are injured? If you're injured, <laughs> triple down on doing mental imagery every day, triple down on watching a highlight video of yourself every day. So anytime you're an athlete I, and I go in every school I work with, I go into the athletic training room. And when I see an athlete on a table with their knee in ice and a STEM machine or getting heat on their back and they're on their phone on social media, I like, I just always think you are missing a tremendous opportunity to work on your mental game right now and see yourself playing the way you want. Because if any of you were injured as an athlete, when you're coming back from injury, one of the hardest things is to get a clear picture in your mind of you being able to execute what you want to do. When I was rehabbing from a shoulder surgery as a college pitcher, when I first put a ball in my hand, it felt like I had never touched it. In the rehab process, I should have had a ball in my hand every day. I should have visualized myself pitching the way I want to. And as I was coming back, I should have done what we call active imagery. Okay, two types of imagery. Let's go to this now. Active and passive. Passive is what you just did. You were sitting there. And tonight, I'm going to teach you the number one passive mental imagery framework that I use that I picked up from my friend, Zach Sorensen, mental performance coach with the Atlanta Braves, who's here tonight. So Zach, thank you for teaching me this technique, which we'll roll out here. And I'm going to call on you later to share your experience as a major league baseball player and mental performance coach with imagery. So thanks for being here. And then active mental imagery is when you're actually out moving. So let me show you some examples of active mental imagery and how you can start using this with your athletes as a coach. So the first thing that we're going to show you is called a shadow bullpen. So if you can see my screen right now, this is a picture at TCU, Preston Morrison. And if you're getting this on the audio, or if you're catching this audio on the podcast, if you go to briancanecom slash baseball, you can see this, but here's a picture at TCU. And they do this every day with their great head coach, Kirk Sarlos, who was the pitching coach at the time of this video. And this pitcher is throwing a bullpen with no ball. He's working on his body language. He's working on his breathing. He's working on his routine. Just like a boxer does shadow boxing, you'll see him here throwing a bullpen with no ball. This is where we picked it up. As I started to work in the UFC with mixed martial arts fighters and they were doing shadow boxing, I said, why don't we do shadow pitching? Here's the five things I'm working on with shadow pitching. Body language. My tempo and rhythm. My breath, if you watch right here, you'll see him take a breath on the glove, take a breath after the sign and deliver the pitch. So I'm working on my body language, my tempo, my visualization of the pitch, my breath. And then this here, which is what we would call his release, my red, yellow light release, right? And practicing my process, practicing the process. Now you're going to see he throws a pitch, gives up a foul ball. And you'll see that he's into it. 
right? So they're doing shadow bullpens, just like boxers do shadow boxing. Well, shoot, let's take a look at Drew Brees. So Drew Brees, quarterback for the New Orleans Saints, is in the indoor facility on Sunday night, as they're getting ready to play on Monday, Sunday after practice. And Reggie Bush, this is from his Instagram, comes in and starts talking about taking mental reps, active mental imagery. Every athlete should be doing this in your sport some way, shape, or form every day. Hey man, a lot of people in this world want to be great. A lot of young guys talk about it. Um, they want to be flashy. You know, a lot of young guys want the, the quick, easy shortcut route to greatness. Ain't no shortcuts to greatness, man. This is what it's about right here. Um, this is 20, 30. This is, no, we about. Okay, so what Drew Brees is doing here is he's imagined catching the snap dropping back and he's going through his checks in the indoor facility in new Orleans on his own, going through every play of the playbook up and down the field. 40 minutes now after practice, after a walkthrough, which would normally be a Saturday walkthrough. It's a Sunday because uh, they play Monday night and it's only one man out here on this field. through the motions, getting his mental reps. How important are these mental reps right now, man, for this game tomorrow night? This is what the leader of an organization of a football team looks like right here. This is what it takes, man. A lot of guys want to be great. A lot of guys aren't willing to go the extra mile for the man next to you. Uh, you know, not a lot of people are not willing to go to the depths to the point to where you gotta be by yourself sometimes, man. You know, sometimes you just need that quietness, that peace, man, to, to just- He's going through the plays, visualizing himself, playing the way he wants to play. Let me show you another example from TCU. Here's a, here's a hitter, not in the lineup at TCU, doing what we call a mental at bat. We've learned this from watching the Evan Longoria E60, okay? This player, not in the lineup, will grab his bat and batting gloves. He's watching the pitcher, and then he steps out here, watch him close his eyes, visualize the pitch he just saw, and then he's into his pre-pitch routine. So he's basically taking a mental at-bat right here, watching the pitcher. And now closing his eyes and visualizing himself having success. How much more prepared is this guy to hit than the player who's in the dugout sitting there feeling sorry for themselves? On Friday, he takes five mental at bats, and on their lineup at TCU, they will put down. If I'm the whoever, if I'm a shortstop and I'm not starting that day, I look at the lineup card and it will say my number next to the guy I'm taking a mental at bat with, because that's where the coach potentially sees me, maybe going into pinch hit at some point. So now every time that guy comes up, I go to a predetermined spot in my in the dugout, the mental at bat area, and I'm getting my mental at bat. If I get four or five of them on Friday, four or five of them on Saturday, I get called on a pinch hit in the seventh inning on Sunday. I've taken 13 opportunities to get a mental at bat. How much more prepared am I to hit? And separation is in preparation. Now, this extends beyond athletics, right? So if you're familiar with the Navy fighter pilots, the Blue Angels, okay? This video I'm about to share with you here is from a long time ago. Let's see if I can pull this up. Now, it's a little faster. I love you. Perfect. So the Blue Angels are 
the Navy fighter pilot group that will go and fly the aerial shows, right? Has anybody ever seen the Blue Angels before, right? I mean, that fighter, the, the fighter pilots. And one of the things that they talk about is just like the 80s is how they prepare with mental imagery. Let's take a look. Okay, so you're going to hear how they use aerial photographs. They're going to hear how their leader here will talk them through what they're doing before they go out to fly. Let's take a look. Although it sometimes might resemble a seance, the pilots know that this pre-flight briefing demands just as much concentration as the flight itself. The briefing process is critical as well. Um, I have a spiel, I call it, of uh, verbiage, and all the other guys have things they need to say during the flight as well. But in the briefing process, we'll cover some administrative details, some safety details, some uh, aircraft limitations that we like to review every time we brief, limitations and emergency procedures. We review them every time we brief. And then we get into the, the, uh, the meat of it as far as what's going to happen out there. And it's about a 10 or 15 minute uh, recitation of what I'm going to be saying in the air. And you go through each maneuver. And if you notice the boss, uh, when we were all together, he would talk some maneuvers just in their name, and then he would go through certain calls. But it's a recitation of the words so that each pilot can hear those words. So, uh, for example, I'll say, OK, we're parked in reverse order for a remote reverse walk down. So what he's taking them through right now is this is what they're going to be doing. So they go through all their safety briefing. They go through some of the preparation. Now they have aerial photographs, and he's talking them through where they're going to do all their maneuvers when they're up in the air. So they're visualizing the flight before they go and fly the flight. We want to visualize our success that day when our head hits the pillow. We want to visualize before the game. We want to visualize and do mental imagery when we're injured. We want to do it in practice, getting mental reps. Crank them up on 8-9 and 18, take off checks in the chocks. There'll be a left 90 out of the chocks and go wing and clear a parking. We'll take the runway for the covered wagon. When Goose is ready to go 16 COM 2, we'll go 16 COM 2. We'll be clear for takeoff with a wind check. Check the parking brakes off. Maneuvers for the diamond, a diamond burner loop with the right turnout. Then he's talking them through what they're going to be seeing and doing when they're out there, just like a football coach talks you through running a play. Followed by Gucci's dirty roll on takeoff. And Thumper's low transition, high performance climb to the split S. And while I'm saying those things, those are what they're going to hear on the radio. Some of the guys will close their eyes and they'll they'll visualize what they're and some will move their hands a little bit. They'll visualize what they're what they're going to be seeing out there while that's occurring. It's like going out and warming up before you you know if you're a pitcher warming up your arm a little bit, but they warm up their minds. Everybody is uh, very attuned to the boss and what he's saying, and he makes those calls in the brief just like he'd make them in the flight. Although the boss speaks a little faster, the rhythm and timing lapse between his calls is proportional, so the pilots get the same sense of timing in the brief as they will once they're in the air. Now, burners ready now. Power is set. Gear, a little drive. Up we go, a little more pull. Burners ready now. Easing the pull, easing power. Easing more power. 
Stand by the boards, boards. Commas up. Smoke off. Coming right. Wings are level. Smoke on. Up. Power. Easing the pull. Easing power. Boom. So again, you can see across across domains, whatever sport, you know, if it's if you're a doctor getting ready to go in and do a surgery, if you're a, a speaker going in to deliver a, a talk, if you're someone in sales getting ready to walk into a school to do a fundraiser, or someone in sales walking in to ask for a sale, or you're an athlete listening to this, wanting to propose to your girlfriend, or, or wanting to go out and ask somebody on a date, whatever it is, everything happens twice, first in your mind, then in reality. So see it happening here before it happens out here. Zach Sorensen, mental performance coach with the Atlanta Braves, former Major League Baseball player. Uh, Zach is here. Zach, would you talk a little bit about maybe the role that mental imagery played in your career as a player and now how you use that skill with the athletes you coach in the Atlanta Braves organization? Yeah, you know, I wish I would have had more training with mental imagery as a player because, you know, back when I was going, we, we didn't have this type of training. So for me, it was, hey, just go out there and hope you get a hit. You Sometimes you fall into a slump and you struggle and you just hope, okay, that, that you can pull yourself out of it. Now, when I go to my athletes and I'm like, hey, man, how are, how are you swinging the bat? And they're like, oh, I'm struggling. And I'm like, well, well, what's up? And they're like, oh, well, I'm dropping my barrel. And I'm like, no, 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 I'm not talking your mechanics. I'm like, how come you haven't gone home at night and watched yourself get a hit? Mm. Like, the brain doesn't know the difference between you getting a hit and you actually doing it. So let's go break your slump at you know, 10, 30, 11 o'clock at night and see yourself getting some hits and you can pull yourself out of it. But one real quick story, um, one of the guys I spent a ton of time with this year was a, a AAA player. He was one of the top uh, top guys in, in the Braves organization, high energy, level nine guy, big kid from Texas, 6'7", 250, left-handed pitcher, throws 97 to 99 miles an hour. But man, we're talking all over the place, okay? We did some training with him, we got him kind of dialed in. My phone rings, or I guess I got a text message about 12.30 at night one night. I'm like, you know, who is that? And I look over and it, it, it's Kyle saying, hey, I just got called up to the big leagues. And I'm like, that is awesome. Congrats. And he's like, can I call you tomorrow? And I said, absolutely. Give me a call. So the next morning, and I want you guys to put yourself in my shoes right now. I get a phone call the next morning about 9.30 a.m. And he's like, I'm freaking out. And I'm like, what do you got? And he's like, my palms are sweaty. I'm like, what else you got? And he's like, I'm breathing kind of heavy. Okay, what else you got, right? My legs are tingling. I'm like, what? And he just kept going and going. I said, Kyle, it's 9.30 in the morning. You don't play till 7.05 you know, tonight. What's going on? So what do you do now as a mental performance coach? And I jumped right into imagery. Mm. And I'm like, listen, you might think that the first time you get on that mound is going to be at 7.05 tonight, but we're going to start getting you on that mound right now. Mm. And I immediately kicked over two imagery sessions to him, one that you're getting ready to put everybody through, Kaner. Uh, you know, I, I repeat that to a T of what you're going to show us tonight. And then another one, I sent an imagery session based on how to embrace the nerves. Okay. I hit him with those two things. The next day I call him because he pitched that night. I'm like, how'd you do? And he's like, man, when I step foot from the grass to the dirt on that mound, it was as if I had been there before at the New York Met Stadium. I have been there before because I had been there before in my mind. And he's like, as soon as I crossed onto that dirt, I was comfortable and ready to go. So, it, you know, this stuff is real. It makes a difference. It was a game changer for him like it is all the guys that use it.
Awesome. Thanks, Zach. Appreciate you sharing that. And, you know, what I want to do now is I want to take us all through a four-step mental imagery process that you can use with, with your athletes. And before we go into that four-step mental imagery process, I just want to uh, take a minute and once again, would like to thank Fundraising University and owner Mike Bahoon as the official sponsor for the Coaching Matters Group Coaching Podcast and current coaches. If you'd like to be a Coaching Matters ambassador coach in your state and earn five to $20,000 part-time, contact Mike Bahoon. His email address is mbahoon, M-B-A-H-U-N, at fundraisingu, that's fundraising in the letter U, dot net, to inquire about our new ambassador coach program. So thanks again to Fundraising U and Mike Bahoon for that. And what we're going to do here is we're going to stop the recorder and we'll pick it up in a minute. Thanks for checking out this week's Coaching Matters podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please give us a subscribe and a review. Also, be sure to engage with us on social media here in the notes for the show. And remember, dream big, raise more, and coaching matters.